Hey, good people. This is your NI Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, ground zero. Ground zero is my starting point. And like always, a lot has happened this week. A lot. <laughs> um, but I would say a lot of inward stuff more, more than externally, but but there's some external stuff that happened as well. So there's a lot I'd like to process with you all. I know I won't get through all of it. But I am very, very comf comfortable and confident with saying ground zero is my starting point. Okay. So I want to set that up a little bit before I do my disclaimers. But before I set it up, I want to read something to you. And I'm going to read um, lyrics from a song. I'll tell you the name of the song once I'm done. Uh, but I'm going to read the verse, the first verse. And then I'm going to read the chorus. Okay. All right. So the first verse goes, we're in the home stretch of the high times. We took a hard left, but we're all right. Yeah. Life sure can try to put us through it. Let me do that one over. Yeah. Life sure can try to put love through it, but we built this right. So nothing's ever going to move it. That was the verse. It was a verse rather. The chorus is when the bones are good, the rest don't matter. Yeah, the paint could peel, the glass could shatter. Let it break, because you and I remain the same. When there ain't a crack in the foundation, baby, I know any storm we're facing will blow right over while we stay put. The house don't fall when the bones are good. I'm going to read that last sentence. The house don't fall when the bones are good. That song, that Those lyrics are from the song, Bones, the bones rather, and it's by Marin Morris, one of my female artists that I like to cover. She's a country singer. Yep, y'all already don't be surprised. I'm a black woman. I sing country music, and if I want to give you the history on country music, I really shouldn't even have to make a racial disclaimer. We won't. We we're not gonna touch that. <laughs> so anyway, so she's a, um, a a country artist that I I cover her music. And um, I don't do this song yet, but maybe I'll try that. I know it. Uh, but anyway, so the house don't fall when the bones are good. And basically, I feel that's what came to me this weekend. Like I was, uh, yesterday I was moving about, getting just starting my day. And today is Sunday. I'm recording on a Sunday. So yesterday was Saturday. Okay. <laughs> and um, so I was just starting my day. And the impression ground zero kept pushing. Like it came up twice, ground zero. And I'd love to spend some time talking to you about those impressions. I used to, when I first started this project, really trying to help you all understand what it means to be an NI Dom, an introverted intuitive. I talked about impressions. An impression is when you, it's like, um, it's a, it's a mental experience, if you will. Um, it's like, uh, you, you were laying in the bed. On a pillow, you're no longer laying there, but you can see the imprint in the pillow. So you knew something was there. Well, that's what it's like to have a cognitive impression. Like I know something is there and I, you know, I don't yet know what it is. So I get on these, I get on a podcast oftentimes, or I journal, I meditate, whatever. And it pulls it most of the time, not always, it pulls it to the surface. Well, this was a strong impression because there were words to it. 
I want to say I heard it, but it didn't have an auto. It didn't have an auditory element to it. So I didn't technically hear it. I maybe saw the words, but it really feels like I heard it, <laughs> but I didn't hear it. And I'm just going to link it to an impression. Anyway, so I, that happened to me twice yesterday, yesterday morning. And so I spent some time like doing a private reflection, like, what does that mean? And um, it, it, it really is the short end of it is that it's connected to this idea of, of, of the bones that the house don't fall when the bones are good. And I'm going to talk about that on the other side of the disclaimers. You guys, I'm running out of time. If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. So I do so by using personality theory, the two theories that I use the most out of Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, pushing those two systems together. I identify as an INTJ8. I have a, num a number of other disclaimers. I won't give it to you. But if you want to know more about me or this project, you can go to my website, yourni.wordpress.com. <laughs> I don't know sorry that was ridiculous oh my gosh anyway hopefully i don't want to say this but hopefully you're not new and you know what those disclaimers are but anyway before i get into the um setting this up with the um the the lyrics and the ground zero impression that i had i want to just do a little housekeeping i want to go back to last week last week i did an, uh, an episode called spiritual self-acceptance was it was good for me. It felt really good when I ended the recording. I was like, ooh, that felt good because I got a chance to confront some things that I either had been taking for granted about my spirituality or I was uncomfortable. Like, I think there were some things I've taken for granted about my spirituality and there are some things that I, I'm uncomfortable with having a sense of spirituality. It's, it's, that's, it's really interesting. Those feel like opposites, but yet they're both true. There were things I was taking for granted, and then there were things I'm uncomfortable with. So last week was just a really good episode. Last Sunday when I recorded that episode, it was just really good for me um, to put words to some things that were uncomfortable and to think through why I was uncomfortable and then to confront it. And along the way, I started coming to some of my other truths that I take for granted things that I've been um, suffering because I'm not like, I'm not really owning my spirituality. So I don't think I'm fully there yet. You know, it's going to take some time to practice a thing, right? In education, when we give students a, a lesson, we have to loop back and keep reinforcing that learning until what I say is automatic, it's automated or it's, it's instinctive. So, these uh, reflections that I do with you all in this project, even my private, even my private reflections, and I do audio private reflection, and I do text, I type reflections, I audio reflect, and I even do sometimes that you guys haven't, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but I can make a running list of just randomness. Sometimes I just have random thoughts and I just have to sit down and write them down. So I have a binder. You've heard me talk about my binder of random thoughts but anyway um so the the reflections have a, a learning element to them i'm learning i'm i think the word is the framing is autodidactic i have to look that up i think i'm saying that right and that's when you're self-learned i teach myself in these reflections i'm teaching myself 
And just like when I'm teaching students, I have to go back and reinforce those lessons. So last week was a really good lesson for me about uh, responsible self-acceptance. I'm going to have to reinforce that lesson. So you're going to hear me coming back to it. I think I said it in that episode. Um, so it felt really good. And then um, maybe two, um, maybe by Wednesday, I went and listened to it. And I hate listening to it right away because it doesn't, when I go back and listen to it, it doesn't doesn't sound as good as it felt <laughs> like, oh, that didn't. And then before I hit the record button this morning, I listened to it again and it, 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 it felt a little better for me. But in that, um, so I wanted to say that was a really good uh, uh, episode. Please go check that out. At the end of the day, it was about like me confronting who I am as a spiritual being, my spiritual convictions, my spiritual truths. And Owning that so I can stop suffering it in the world, compromising it, negotiating around it. Because two weeks ago, I did an episode, episode called Negotiating and Navigating. And I, I could link those two episodes together. I hadn't done that until just now. Like, I just, I don't want to keep doing that. And, um, one of the, another thing I did before I hit the record button is I looked up the word prosper prosperity and that's that's connected to this ground zero concept this is a good way to 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 move into the concept for this week i am and i've always been on this track for living my best self living my best life and i talked to you guys about this at the end of season six six at the end of season six, I talked about um, self-actualization. My neighbor is home. Darn it. I love doing these reflections when I have the house to myself, and now I don't. So I'll be moving about uh, trying to maintain privacy if I can. But you're going to probably hear the, the, you'll hear the sound of her walking. But anyway... Um, so I talked about self-actualization, and that's a theory from Abraham Maslow that talks about in order to self-actualize, you got to go through these uh, these levels, these tiers. And the basic is this physiological level, which base, you know what I mean. You got to have food, clothing, shelter. You got to have a sense of belonging. Then you have to, you know, and so for a long time. I was operating at the topper domain, the, the higher end of the of the of the scale, if you will. And I knew that didn't make sense. I knew there was a a middle chunk I was bypassing. Yet I was doing things that on the surface, oh my God, this is coming together. It's coming together already in my head. At, this is fascinating. I know I haven't said much to you in listening land, listening land. Give me a second. I'm going to try to make it clear, but the, the, there's some webbing happening in my mind. It's becoming clear. So uh, I'm going to have to, let me go look up that theory so you can understand what I'm saying. Cause I don't know, I don't know those levels by heart. Like I know other theories. So let me look it up right quick. Okay. I'm back. You guys, did I say Bloom's taxonomy? That's one of my favorite theories. And I, I actually want to talk about Bloom's taxonomy. That possibly could come up. But I'm not talking about Bloom's taxonomy right now. I meant to say the theory of self-actualization. Um, 
So I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I messed that up. But anyway, so I don't know about heart, but here it is. The, the basic level is physiological. I had that right. Breathing, food, water, sex, sleep, homeostasis, excretion. I'm reading something off of a screen, y'all. Because some of that stuff I don't really think is necessary. I always think of food, um, you know, I always say food, clothing, and shelter, but it looks like that might be the, I might be pushing two levels together. Because the next level is called safety, security of body, employment, resources, morality, the family, health, property. I don't know if I like this one. Anyway, I don't feel like looking up another one. Let's just go with it. The third level is love and belonging. So it looks like somebody. So the levels are physiological, safety, love and belonging, esteem, and self-actualization. So in order to get to self-actualization, you have to hit four other levels. Physiological, safety, love, belonging. Love and belonging are on the same level and then esteem. So it looks like somebody has kind of filled this triangle in based on what it means. Physiological, safety, love and belonging, esteem. So... I'm not fully in love how with how they filled this in, but it should work all the same. So love and belonging, that level is friendship, family, and sexual intimacy. Interesting. Isn't that interesting how this per this author creator put sex at the physiological level and then put sexual intimacy at the love and belonging level? Interesting. Interesting. Because you know y'all know I've been talking about sex lately. And I always laugh. I'm gonna, there's gonna be a day when I mention sex and I don't laugh. But we ain't there yet. Um, but I think that's interesting. Anyway, the next level is esteem. And let's tell you what they have in there self esteem, confidence, achievement, respect of others, respect by others. So that's under esteem. And then finally, self actualization. Morality, creativity, spontaneity, problem solving, lack of pre- lack of prejudice, acceptance of facts. This is irritating me. Let me find another example. This is really actually irritating. Hold on. Okay, I found a breakdown that more aligns with how I learned this theory in in undergrad. All right, so let's, let's same levels, same five levels, but I like the way this is how it is expounded upon. So let's do that over. The physiological level is food, water, warmth, and rest. The safety level is security and safety. And those two are pushed together. And those are basic needs. Remember I said there was, I knew there was a reason why I pushed those together. Then the third level is belongingness and love needs, intimate relationships and friends. And then in the next level is esteem needs, prestige and feeling of accomplishment. Now they push those two together, those two levels together and call those the psychological needs. And then the final level is self-actualization, achieving one, achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. And that is called the self-fulfillment need. So I like it. I, I feel better. That other one was just irritating me. <laughs> so basic needs, which would include physiological needs and safety needs. Then the next level up is psychological needs, which would include belonging and love and esteem. And then finally, self-fulfillment needs, which is self-actualization. Okay. So I don't know where I was, what made me um, bring that up, that theory up, but that theory is actually perfect. So 
I think what I was saying is that in college, when I learned this theory, it really resonated with me. Like, I think, honestly, if I connected to the spirituality conversation is that I believe, and I I do believe it, it still feels irrational, feels kind of quirky for me to say it out loud, but it is what it is. I got to get comfortable with it. But anyway, I believe that my spirit has been pushing me towards uh, prosperity from the beginning. Now, uh, maybe that's a maybe that's a sensation that everybody experienced. Maybe you listening to me. Maybe when you were a kid, you can go back to that sensation that something was pushing. There was something inside of you that says, "Get to the best you that you can be. Get to that top level of what you can be." I know I had that as a sensation. I physically felt that. And and I can go back to being a little girl before the age of five, having that sensation. So, um, um, so by the time I got to college and I learned this theory, of course, naturally it would resonate with me because I had been living with this sensation about being the better you, being the best you possible. Oh my God. And there's a theory to it. Okay. So I fell in love with the theory. And then I had this common language because other people study the theory. So I'm like, I'm trying to self-actualize. Right. And then I would say around my thirties, like my, the, the, my early thirties, I, there were two things that happened to me. Two things. I don't know which one happened first. I don't know. But one thing was, I realized, well, okay, I think this happened first. I found a book. Actually, I guess I stole a book. (laughs) Now, last week I told y'all about my love for books, right? I really didn't plan on stealing this book. I borrowed it from the library. And one of the problems that I always had with going to the library, I love going to get the books, but just remembering to take them back. And then I would get these fines and all of that. And so this particular book I got from a library from another um, state. I believe I have since paid for it. But anyway, I don't even have the book now. I wouldn't even be able to tell you the name of the book. But it was a book that I had had for a while. And somehow I stumbled across it in my house, right? Well, in the book, it talked about how people are like, oh, I'm trying to self-actualize like that's a good thing. And it is good, but you suffer. I really wish I could find that book. I wonder if I can do some keyword searching to find out what that book, because I really need to get my hands on it. But anyway, I remember having, I remember stumbling across this book in my early 30s, maybe 31. I don't think, maybe 32. And going, oh my God, this is what's happening. Because I was, and I, I haven't mentioned this to you guys in a while, but I think it's important to, I think it's it would be important to say it again here. I've gone through two major uh, seasons of depression. Um, uh, one was, I told you guys, it was in my, my mid-20s. And I didn't think I was going to make it out. I'm going to be honest with you all. And then the second time was in my 30s, my early 30s. 
and it could be that time could be pushed together because the the that season of depression in my early thirties wasn't it was nothing like my twenties, and I think because I had finally learned how to navigate out of that deep darkness so much that I was like we ne- we are never going back there again ever, and so I think when that that darkness tried to rear its head again in my early 30s I was like wait a minute we're gonna start managing this because we cannot afford to go back to that dark dark deep space because it is scary as hell okay so I um those were the two times and I've learned I've kind of had to learn what causes that I've had to learn to navigate it. And I would say, I would say in the last 10, you know, by the time I started getting into my forties, I started learning what was really causing that darkness, that depression. Really? I really had to learn it y'all. And I think this is one of the uh, I'm a, let me jump around a little bit. I'm going to be a little bouncy. I'm going to be a little scattered for a second. Okay. Cause there's a thought that's pushing through and it feels really relevant. And I want to just say it here. And if I, I just, just pray that I don't lose my ultimate train of thought. But, you know, last week I talked about spirituality and I think I've talked to you guys about uh, like if, when I'm in my, when I'm talking to others, quote unquote, spiritual people, I'll use the language. I'll use this framing, my calling. I've been called, right? And I think in a, my, and I think sometimes I also say my giftedness, my wiring. You hear me talking about part personality type. But even when you have a personality type and even one with my, like I'm an INTJ and we're always masterminding something, right? You've you've heard me in this project in the last three years. I'll say I'm masterminding something big, right? I've there's got a I've got a capital M masterminding on me, and then I've got lowercase masterminding things like the my book that I just released last um, couple months ago, right? The school that I launched, the curriculum that I developed, right? This project, even though it's not necessarily highly successful in the in the traditional podcasting world, but it still feels really good to me. It feels like I'm very proud of the work I'm doing in this project because this podcast is for me. And then I have my primary podcast, which I've parked because of this project and along with some other ones, but I'm really trying to find my way back to my dominant primary podcast. I'm struggling because I actually, because of the podcast number two, I want to move in a different direction in my primary self and I'm not 100% sure how to do that so anyway that's another that's another conversation but anyway so all of those are lowercase m masterminding projects right and I, and I told you the book I just released was my third book right and on and then my dissertation and t- so you know obtaining my doctorate and that it was important for three reasons there were three reasons why I pursued that doctorate uh, but one was to be called doctor. <laughs> that was one. Of, I would love to say that that wasn't on the table, but it really was. So uh, obtaining a doctor. So all of those are lowercase m mastermind. That's what INTJs we do. 
But I also have a grand mastermind. It kind of makes me think about the grand learning, the grand theory. The theory, if there's a word, Stephen Hawkins, I think, was trying to come up with the theory of everything. A theory that unites everything. And um, I'm like, y'all could just go ahead and call that theory God. But okay, we don't want to call it that. Fine. And they've not, to, to my knowledge, they have not been able to create this grand theory. Anyway, anyway, that's a rabbit hole waiting for, to, just waiting for me to fall in it. Because <laughs> I love talking about theories. But anyway, um, so I believe that this grand mastermind that I'm working on. But, 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 but if I really push into the spirituality part of me, I would say I'm a, it's my calling. It's the reason why spirit became flesh. When I talked about, you have to go to last week's episode to hear me talking about this. When the spirit became flesh process that we go through in the womb. I know it's, it's quirky. It's woo. It's weird. Yep. Got it. We've, we already, we've already processed that. And so, um, um, so anyway, um, just getting back to the theory of self-actualization, I don't think I could articulate what I'm about to say now. I wasn't able to explain it like this in my thirties, but in hindsight, I think what was happening is that I was coming to terms in my thirties, why I was suffering, like what that darkness was about, that darkness, that depression was about a suffering. It was a suffering between my spirit self, my higher self. And the self that the world wanted me to be. You know what I mean? And I was suffering that. And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what that suffering was about. All I knew was that I I was suffering. I didn't know why I was suffering. Like I said, I, I didn't have, of course I didn't have the wisdom that I have today. That's what I believe I was suffering. So so when I found the book about people who self-actualize actually suffer, that's what they said. That's what the book said. People who self-actualize actually suffer. Now, I have never heard anybody else say this. And as a matter of fact, this book was written by Abraham Maslow. I think that he was the author. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. <laughs> I'm going to go find that book. I'm, I think he was the author. And people, and this is what, if I'm not mistaken, this is what he said in the text. People talk about self-actualization like it's this lofty goal. We're all trying to get there, right? But what you need to really understand that you're going to suffer that in that journey. So anyway, so that was one thing I learned in my early 30s, the suffering component of self-actualizing. And the second thing I learned was that there were some things I had bypassed. There were some levels that I had bypassed. Now this is, I gotta go back to the computer because this is the point. I'm, I'm getting to the ground zero. I'm, I'm on my, I'm on track, y'all. I didn't totally lose it. Hold on a second. I don't know why when I'm put you guys on pause, I have to tell you to hold on a second because it doesn't sound that way in the recording. You don't know all that I've paused. I just hit the pause button without saying hold on a second. But anyway. So I'm back in front of my computer now and I'm looking at the five levels, physiological needs, safety needs, belonging and love needs, esteem needs. Um, I had bypassed belongingness and love needs. And if I could really push it, I probably, probably was 
bypassing the safety needs too. I was safe, but I was borrowed. I had borrowed safety because I wasn't providing. Oh my goodness, this is so good. I wasn't providing my own safety. So I was still under the umbrella of like family. So even though I was grown, I didn't have that. Like I would take these crazy risks. If the world fell apart, I can go back to granny's house. You know, I was able to go back until I wasn't able to go back anymore. My family was like, nope, you're not coming back home anymore. (laughs) And really that fell apart when my grandmother died. She passed away five years ago. Oh my gosh. It's yes. Five years. Nope. It's six years. Six years ago. That's unbelievable. But anyway, um, and while she was living, she was my safety. As a matter of fact, when I wrote my first book, I did a dedication to her about her being my safety. It's interesting how this is all coming together for me in this reflection. I say it all the time. I love that you guys hit the the play button. I I love that there are a few people who are here to listen to me process my inner, my outer worlds. As I always say, I'm doing some real work for myself and hopefully you're benefiting in the process. I hope, I hope that this, I hope you're able to grab some things for you and that, that you're not just coming back for entertainment. <laughs> Listen to me make a fool out of myself. I hope there are things in there that you can take for you and your growth to self-actualizing. But anyway, so the second thing I learned in my thirties is that I had bypassed some of those levels and I didn't understand, I didn't know how to reconcile it because I was like, Oh, I was functioning in my mind at the esteem level because I had done some major things. I had done some major things and I was getting mad. I was, I've had respect for myself, had other people who were respecting me. So I was like, oh, I'm up there. You know what I mean? I bought a house. I had my own business. I started my own school. You know what I mean? I was at the start of a theory, building my first theory, my, my core theory. The, the, and I don't talk about that theory in this project, but yeah, I was like, I'm doing a damn thing. And then, but not according to this theory, because I did not have that belongingness and love piece. And for the most part, I didn't have it because I was, I was dating at that time of my life. And it almost feels like this time of my life right now where it's like, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. At this, at that stage, I was doing it because I felt like I was supposed to. Sometimes I wish I can go back there because I literally just felt like I was supposed to date. And dating was unfulfilling for me. <sighs> Boy, that is so interesting now that I think about it. Because why was I dating and it was unfulfilling? I remember. And because it was unfulfilling, I wasn't fully committed to it. I didn't know I wasn't fully committed to it. So the people I would date, they would be like, yo, what's going on? You're holding back. You're... They thought I was playing games. I'm not playing games. I'm giving you the level of my motivation. The level of my inspiration is what you're getting from me. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. And now I'm like, I don't have a motivation, but I'm, oh my God, it will get, there. we'll get there. I'm going to, I'm trying to get there. Yeah. I'm trying to get there. Okay. So anyway, so I had by, um, and then you guys know the intergenerational trauma with the familial stuff. And at that time I still had granny. And so I was, that was some borrowed love thing that I was doing. So I had to love with her. And then the when I say borrowed love, 
all the people who loved her, I got swept up in that, in their love for her. I got, I was a part of that loving because she loved me. Oh, I miss that relationship so much. Oh, I don't want to cry. I thought about my dad this morning. And since my person has been sick, my person is just, oh my gosh, she's just getting so skinny, y'all. It is so hard. Oh, then I feel guilty when I don't talk about it. Oh my God. It's just a lot. Anyway, I don't even, I don't even grieve. I don't even give my, I don't give space for me to grieve my dad. And I think partly it's because I'm a, I don't want to grieve my dad because then I have to think about what my person is going through. And it's just so hard. But anyway, I thought about my dad this morning. And even though our relationship was complicated, there was a form of belonging that I had with him. And there's a, that I don't have really in the world. I thought I had it with my sister. But one of the things that came to me this weekend, and this is sad, but I have to love my sister enough to let her grow. I was going to say go, but grow. Like the woman she's growing into doesn't really have space for the relationship that we once had. So it's almost painful to watch her trying to Create a, it feels like a bastardized version of our relationship. And the sad part of it is that I saw it. It's sad. It, 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 it's sad because being an intuitive, we see things before they happen. And you have to be careful though, because you can see something that is not positive and then you don't want to walk into what's called self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, now you saw it and now you're making these unconscious choices to manifest the thing that you saw, right? So sometimes when I see things that are not positive, I don't give words to it because I don't want to reinforce that, right? And so, but in hindsight, I see it. I saw, I could see the the departure from uh, the relationship that... Um, I thought we had, maybe it's not a departure. Maybe it's the same. It feels fundamentally different to me. But, um, and I think I wanted to look up the stages of grief because yesterday when I was doing my meditation, I realized I feel like I'm at a place of acceptance with it, with the loss of my, that, that, that belonging ship that I, I have, that I thought I had with her. I belong to you. You belong to me. We belong together because we're sisters, <laughs> you know, and it's not that now. It would, I'm pretty certain it would either hurt her feelings if she heard me say this or she would be angry. And that's something I'd love to process. It's one of the ways our family, my family copes like they don't, my, I don't come from a family that does well with emotional wellness emotional authenticity, emotional honesty, emotional integrity, rich, emotional richness. I'm just trying to, I feel like I'm trying to get to a certain point. And much of that, in my opinion, can be wrapped up into what I call intergenerational trauma. It's something I 
I bypassed in my disclaimers today. So if you're new, I have these disclaimers that I give. And one is I come from intergenerational trauma. Um, so I believe a lot of that is related to intergenerational trauma. But I think, I think if you scale back out further than that, I think it's a byproduct of racism. And guess what? Hold on, buckle up. Because it's not just racism for black people. I think it's a by. I actually think it's a byproduct of. I think whites, whites, the racial elite experience it too. And I think capitalism causes that. And it's hard for me to say that about capitalism because I, I would love, I want to identify with capitalism more than I want to identify with socialism. (laughs) I really do. It doesn't always work out that way because I find myself becoming more and more critical of capitalism. But then I'm thinking, I like the, the idea of capitalism, but I don't think we're living it. So I, I think I like the concept of capitalism. I just don't think we, as a society, I don't think we're, well, maybe we are. Maybe we are really doing capital, the, the, the capitalism. And maybe I just am having some conflict in my values. I don't know. I don't know. I got to process that at some point. But anyway, I believe capitalism takes us away from that type of emotional connected connectedness. You guys, I am, I am on track to talk about ground zero. And, but I think the way for you, in order for you to appreciate what ground zero is, it's this, I'm kind of giving you the, the so what to the ground zero. So you'll better understand it. But I do need to get to it soon. I need to start forcing myself to get there. But what I want to do is because I've talked about, um, I'm talking about this emotional disconnect and this grief that I have to let my uh, sister go. This is connecting. And then if I'm looking at this element of uh, self-actualization theory, the theory of higher, what is it called? The theory of self-actualization. The theory of needs, the higher order of needs, what is it called? There are a couple of ways that they frame it. But anyway, that fourth level, excuse me, that third level is belongingness and love. And I have never really created that for myself. So just like the safety needs, it was borrowed. You know, granny provided that belonging and love. I believe granny provided that. Now, are there people that I love? Yes. Are there people who love me? Yes. (laughs) But not in alignment with with my spirit. What my spirit says love is. And if you, hold on. If you go back to the episode I did last week, I, um, I think I was talking about what gets in the way. What gets in the way of us becoming the person that spirit wants us to be? You know, we ta- I talked about those barriers. And a lot, oftentimes for me, it's getting conf- confronting a lot of the socialization, a lot of the norms that we're taught, the scripts that we inherit. Okay, you guys, at the spirit, uh, excuse me. At the risk of really, really irritating you, I want to um, do a little bit of, um, 
I want to do a little, share a little bit of my, some notes that I took from listening to that podcast episode on emotional intelligence. Now listen to this episode um, a few weeks ago and then I re-listened to it uh, last week. I was, and I mentioned it a few times. I did, I was able to bring in a couple of nuggets from that episode, but this lady gives this framework about emotional intelligence in a way that is so for me consumable and shareable I want to share with you and it really relates to um, it really relates to the spiritual truth that I hold um, about being human <laughs> you know being human in the social world with other humans you know and I think I think we live in these uh, in a society because of these isms, these structures that really serve as barriers for us to be at our true self. And some of that is this emotional connective tissue that is damaged by these systems, by these social systems. So to help you understand that, I want to go uh, get those notes and share those with you right quick. So one second. <laughs> So I don't remember if there are four components of this emotional intelligence. I only listened to half of the episode, by the way, and it's called emotional intelligence and it's from the solo community. So go check it out. But I only listened to half of it because it was so rich and I listened to it twice. Um, so I don't know what the second half is going to say. But from the first half, uh, there was a framework that she provided about emotional intelligence and I don't know if the these four, and it consists of four components. I don't know if these four components, if it's uh, some kind of sequence, if it's scaled, I don't know. But let me just tell you what they are. Emotional recognition, empathy, self-awareness, and emotional regulation. Um let me see if I can read my handwriting because I have terrible handwriting. Emotional recognition is being able to recognize the emotion in someone else. Um, and one of the things I really loved about this episode is sometimes we can talk about people who can't read the emotions of others. Like they can't read the room. You're missing it. Well, what she also said is sometimes you have some people who see too much we're reading all of it so emotions send off data it's all data it's all data that we have to read in terms of um, um, emotional recognition some people don't register the data don't see it and some people read too much of it and I think I'm one of those people I don't know if I'm reading too much emotional data but I'm reading I read a lot of the data that other people don't register. Um, I want to spend some time with it. What data would I, I? I know I read a lot of data as it relates to the social structures, social structures and power. I know I read that, um, and I think it's problematic. I like it, it, it's problematic when you're just bombarded with all this data and it's you can't do anything with all of it. Excuse me, you can't use all of the data. So it becomes an excess and it becomes a burden. But the same thing happens on the flip side when you're not picking up the enough data and you need that data to make critical decisions. So anyway, 
that's about me and my world around my my research around power but but I think it's it it maps easily on to what this lady is saying about emotional recognition being able to to uh read the data that's that is coming off of another person the emotional data that's coming off of another person so emotional emotional recognition was one then is empathy um this was interesting. I love the way she describes this empathy is being able to not only recognize the emotional data that's coming off of another person, but to be able to anticipate it. To be able to say, I, I, I know how that feels. I can imagine how that feels for you. And what I've understood about empathy in the past, when I really had to break down the difference between empathy and sympathy, empathy is your ability to connect to someone emotionally. Either you went through that thing that they went through exactly, or you've had a, you can go through your Rolodex and go, I didn't have that experience, but I had another experience that helps me to understand how you're feeling. And this is a really good illustration because I'm probably going to have to end up bringing closure because um, this is, and this is, a, I'm going to tell you about what's happening with my new neighbor. So I do have new neighbor, a new neighbor, the previous neighbors. You guys know I struggle. I struggle. Like I won't do another. Um, I want to buy a duplex, but that's the only way I'll live in another duplex is if I bought it. But I'm not, I will not rent in another duplex. I'll go to an apartment building or a condo before I do another duplex. And this, this is going to be a really good point to illustrate this. I want to illustrate a point. The ability to anticipate how somebody else feels, right? I've lived with neighbors who, um, and that's the next thing. Um, I don't know where they talk about being able to take action. Right, so recognizing it, recognizing someone else's emotions, being able to anticipate those emotions, uh, and then being willing to do something about it. I don't know if that's under self-awareness um, or under the fourth one, emotional regulation. I don't know where that falls at, but she did talk about that's another level of emotional intelligence is being willing to do something about that. You seeing the data, you see the emotional data, um, you can anticipate it. And how willing are you willing, how able and willing are you to respond to it? And I think that's the thing for me as an INTJ. I don't, I'm not going to, I believe I have a I think I have a better, I think I have a better sense of someone's emotional state than I would have given myself credit for in the past. Cause I'm like, I don't fully know that emotion. I don't think that's true. I think where I'm different is I'm not going to respond to that emotional data if it gets in the way of something bigger. So the job that I had last year, the job I just walked away from, um, you that was part of the problem that I had with my staff. They wanted to sit around and lament over how they were unhappy on the job. And I'm like, who goes to a job? I mean, yeah, 
I think you should be happy. And I also think you need to be productive. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we can, we can talk about you being unhappy because ultimately we want you to be productive. So if being productive means we got to deal with your happiness and your wellness and your sense of belonging, let's do that. I'm, I'm here for that. But they wanted to first feel good before they produced and get paid. Who does that? Who does that? <laughs> like I, I feel like my niece, when, and she's like, what? Because I did something that was weird as her auntie. She's like, what auntie does that? Anyway. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, anyway. So, why did I say that? So, I was, I, I got hit. They hit me with not being responsive to their emotional needs. Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be responsive to those emotional needs the way they wanted me to. Because I didn't believe that we should be coming you know, I felt like our our organization was committed to serving kids, their emotional needs. Their emotional needs are more important than your emotional needs as an adult, where you can choose to go to work every day. You can choose this job. Kids don't have that type of agency. So our job is to make sure that they're in these. We were making sure schools are doing right by them so they have emotional wellness. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm unwilling to allow your emotional needs get in the way of the work that we're supposed to be doing for kids' emotional needs. I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. So that's an example of me not being willing to be responsive to that. All right, going back to the neighbor situation. When you have neighbors that don't regard, they don't have a regard for you in terms of sharing space. And I think as a social studies teacher, you know, I'm, I teach about being a, a responsible citizen. We're sharing space together. We share the earth. We share the planet together. We share a city together. We share a neighborhood. We want our neighborhood to look nice and we share a house. Well, what happens when you share a house? You know what I mean? In my mind, you should be considerate. Like how, how are my actions going to impact my neighbor? And I just believe that I've been living with people who just don't have that. And I would love to talk about the race element of it because I think as a black woman, I'm, it's possible that as a black woman, I have been programmed to be more sensitive to the, to, to the needs of other people. I think as women in general, no matter, no matter race, we are expected to, to, to take care of other people, to be mindful of other people. And, uh, but I think that if you factor race in, race becomes a critical component of it, you know. And, you know, there are theories out there that talk about the psychology of, psychology of racism, um, or the psychology, this is a whole separate conversation, but I think it relates <laughs> the psychology of racists, like, um, the racial elite, why they don't have to be considerate. They don't have to be considerate. They, they can, they are entitled to take up space. They are entitled to take resources away from other people and they are not required to uh, make themselves uncomfortable and inconvenient for the comfort and the convenience of someone else. Now, I think that that can be applied to sexism 
I think it also could be applied to heterosexism, right? But anytime you have a power holder, the power holder in their power maintains their own comfort. And so when I'm living in a space like that where a person has the, does not have the ability to sidestep the power that they have, that entitlement that they have to, um, what's the word? There's another word that they don't like. People don't like the word privilege, right? You have these privileges and you don't want to be, you don't want to be inconvenienced. You want those privileges and you don't have to be considered. You don't have to be considered of how you're sharing space with someone else, you know? So, I mean, that it is what it is, but I think that's a really good example of, that just think that's a good example of this emotional wellness. So it's emotional recognition, it's empathy, then it's self-awareness, being aware of yourself, and then being able to regulate yourself emotionally. So getting back to the whole belonging, um, emotional belonging, coming from a world where that isn't happening. So I think racism, sexism, these structures, capitalism, I think these structures in the world um impede our ability to really connect emotionally to, with one another so much it's just it's just it it becomes a barrier and we're not making these connections and then we start going through all of these artificial ways of functioning in the world because you're not looking out for me emotionally I'm not looking out for you emotionally and at the end of the day we're being further and further cut off from the self I believe it and I believe that emotional connectedness, well, I shouldn't say I believe it. That's what this theory of self-actualization is about. It's about the ability to get to the higher self and that belonging and loving is part of it. But most of us are doing artificial love, artificial belonging. And that's what I'm saying about the spirit. Spirit knows, you know, for me, at least my spirit knows that's artificial and even before I could put words to it, I was suffering it. I was grieving it. And now I can put words to it because of all the work that I've done academically and psychologically and spiritually. I can articulate. I can name it and advocate for it. So, so I, I am. Just oh, I, in my thirties, I just became aware of how um, I wasn't. I had bypassed this level, so this self, this esteem that I was doing, like, oh, look at me, look what I'm masterminding, look at what I'm producing. That was nothing. I wasn't still on track to self actualizing. If I missed the part, no matter what I'm producing in the world, if I'm bypassing that belongingness. And that love component, you don't hit self-actualization by making, by bypassing those levels, right? Which is when we're going back to talking about kids, right? When we, especially as an educator, I want, I, my job is to help kids to develop and learn and trying to get teachers to understand that the kids need to feel safe in your classroom. You want them to learn, but they don't feel safe. And then I try to, you know, one of the things why I'm going off into business because most of these teachers, they don't feel safe in the world. They don't feel this emotionally or structurally safe. So how are they going to prioritize the safety of kids, especially somebody else's kids? So then it becomes this constant battle with teachers, 
not all of them, but many, many, many teachers. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, anyway. So let's talk about ground zero and then I'm going to start closing. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it in a way that doesn't connect to this self-actualization and this emotional convert, the, the conversation I'm having about this emotional connectedness. But I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make the connection initially, but I'm going to hopefully connect it at the, at the end. All right. So when I talked about ground zero, when the word came up for me, um, yesterday, um, I think I told you guys I have been working on this um, framework for production. Like, um, I have four domains. Like, to be successful, in order for me to be successful, there are four domains that I must master in my life. And when I say master, not like master, check off, I did it, I don't have to do it again. But where I have to have, I have to, I have to, thrive in each domain in order for me to thrive in each domain because it's four of them and it's loaded I have to have a level of automacy so for me mastery means I'm being great in each domain and I don't even have to think about it because as long as I have to think about it that thinking about it is taking up some energy that energy could be used in another way so, and I already explained this to you. I think I explained it either last week or the week before. But this grand system, this grand masterminding that I'm part of it, part of the grand masterminding is me modeling the thing I want to promote in the world. So there's something I want to promote in the world and I have to model it. I don't want to promote it and not model it. So when I go and talk about it and try to help other people do it, I don't want them looking at my life and being like, well, yo, you're trying to get me to do something. Well, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And I tell this to teachers all the time. Don't ask kids to do something that you're not willing to do. Be what's called the living curriculum. The living, breathing curriculum. Don't just teach it. Model it. Okay? My mama used to say, don't do what I, don't do what I do, do what I tell you to do. Cause she recognized that there was a gap between <laughs> what she would tell me to do and then what she was in fact doing. And kids will notice that gap real fast. But anyway, I don't want to do that. I want to model the message. All right. In order for me to model the message, there are four domains for me. And I believe, I actually believe these are the core domains. That's one thing I love about being an INTJ, that NI and that TE working together. It's like I have scanned what does it mean to self-actualize. So I think if I'm going to connect it to the, the theory of self-actualization. So if you look at what I discovered in my 30s, I had bypassed one of these levels. I don't think I, I didn't bypass it because I was like, that's not important. Skip that. I think what happened is that I was trying to get to the, I was doing some esteem opportunities. And that's the question I would have about this theory. Does this theory really work where you can 
Can't work on safety until I work on the physiological. Can't work on belonging until I work on safety. Can't work on esteem until I work on belonging. You guys understand what I'm saying? Is it really sequential like that? I understand the concept that that you don't really get to self-actualization until you get to these lower tiers. I understand that. But I think I'm an example of I skipped a level or two. And I understand that I could not consider myself as self-actualized until I go. I have to have all of these levels together. So basically my thing that I'm working on, my four domains, my four domains, really, and I never thought about this until just now, take these five levels from this theory and in an applied sense. So the definition all about spirit that I read to you all last week is that spirit is the transcending character of us and and then spirituality is the application of that, taking that transcending quality and applying it in a concrete way. That's that's what we should be doing. That higher self that we're striving to be, it's not going to be enough to just sit around and theorize about it. It's not enough for me to just come on a podcast and talk about it. I got to apply it in a concretized way. Okay. Well, that's not an easy thing to do. So how do you do all five of these things on a, in a concrete way all the time? Now I'm going to talk to my solo people. Because those of you who are married and I, I don't know how you do it. And I don't really care. I'm not trying to be me, but... But I want to talk about what does it mean to be solo or single. I don't have anybody um, helping me with the physical, like the housing. I don't have another person that, what does it say in about employment? Like it's me. And then to get to my creative self, how am I going to do my creative self? If I have to, if I have to constantly contend with the structural part of me. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like this theory is a powerful theory. And I, I, I'm so amazed that I'm making a connection between this theory and the four domains that I'm building. That is a theoretical model I'm building. Okay, you hear me calling the quadrants. And I've been really working on it. And I think as an INTJ, I've been scanning. I've been scanning. What does it mean? What does it mean? The physiological, the safety, the belonging, the esteem, the self-actualization. I've been scanning it and now I'm going to condense it. I'm going to make it manageable. That's what I'm doing. I'm building a system that makes it manageable, right? So for four in the beginning of, okay, you guys, the sound is going to sound different. I'm sitting in my car. I had to leave. It was just, I was, it was just too much to try to keep walking around the house in heaven, um, to avoid the noise. But anyway, I'm going to, I'm wrapping it up. Um, so the four domains, um, I've been, I've started working on, I started, I start, I finally got it down to four areas. It's something that it's a system that I've been really developing for a long time. And if you go back to some earlier episodes in the project, I talked about having a war sheet. It was an activity, weekly activity report where I listed all of the things that I needed to do. And I had, it was just a lot, a lot, a lot. And I'm like, all of those things I still need to do to be successful, to thrive in the world, they all still need to get done. 
But I can't. It, 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 it was a lot. It was probably like. On the surface it looked like 16 things. But then each of those 16. There were about five six things I needed to do in and it was just it wasn't automated so as I'm moving about in my life I couldn't be successful because I couldn't retain all of that so I you know I'm like in order for me to master this thing called living in a way that allows me to be successful I've got to have some automacy I've got to I can't be walking around with a piece of paper going okay what do I do next what do I, there's got there's got to be a degree of under like I said, automacy. And that's just so I would say around January, I finally got all of that down and organized into four quadrants, four domains. It may have happened last um, at the end of 2022, but I became committed to this, these four areas. I took all of that from that I've been trying to automate for years and I got it down to four. Now, since January, from January to, to August, it was nice for me to it, it was nice for me to go about my day and think about how you're doing towards thriving, how are you doing towards self actualizing? Because I had those four things in my mind that I could remember. That was easier to remember than those sixteen. It was easier for me to remember the four areas, but each of those areas got all of those other sub areas, and I wasn't remembering them. I wasn't remembering them. It was becoming really difficult for me to to determine, like, how do I prioritize them? It's a lot to do. And I think I'm talking about when you are on your own and you're like, this is one of the things I've been thinking about being solo, right? Why do people get married? Because it's a lot to do on your own. Now, it's it's an emotional burden for me to the point where I don't. It's such an emotional lift for me to be in a relationship in a traditional way that right now I don't want to do it. And as a matter of fact, I don't think I'll ever do it the way the world tells me I should do it. I don't believe I will. But nonetheless, that's let's just think about why people do it. Why people get married? Because they have somebody to share the lift with them, to share the load. So you think about taking a taxi cab. We're going somewhere. You're going to say, oh, let's go and then split the bill. Right? So, but when you are decidedly single or decidedly solo, that's a lot. And I'm sorry for me, and I'm excited because you can hear me getting talking faster and talking louder. It is not enough for me. So I got a couple of competing priorities. One priority for me is to be emotionally well. And now I'm coming to terms with that also includes being spiritually well. But but honestly, I wasn't thinking about spiritual wellness until just last, you know, till just last week. But I've been thinking about emotional wellness for about since I left that relationship and remember it's not that that emotional unwellness that emotional woundedness that I had to work on wasn't even about the relationship 
Because if I was emotionally well, I would have never gone into that damn relationship in the first place. I would have never gone into a relationship like that if I was really emotionally well. You understand what I'm saying? And don't, heaven forbid, I talk about spiritual wellness because I also went through this time in my life where I was in church and I was religious. That wasn't spiritual wellness because I believe if I was spiritually well, I would have been emotionally well and I wouldn't have been in that relationship. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So the, the relationship became like a portal, became like a gateway for me to go and do the work for me to really realize you got some work to do. And that's what I've been doing. We are officially five years out of that relationship. Probably a little longer than that, but five years where the first, the first kind of, you know, it don't matter. Let's say five years because it was some after, and that was, that, that happened in my, my first 10 year relationship. It ends, but it doesn't permanently end because you got a lot of entanglement stuff happening. And then there became a point where I was like, I'm not having any entanglement. It's over, and we're going to end the entanglement. We're not having any residue, excuse me, no residue shit happening, okay? (laughs) No, we're not doing that. So I completely eliminated the entanglement. Okay, so anyway, um, so that emotional wellness is really important to me. Okay. My, not only did I have to confront the emotional part, Something just happened to me that happened when um, I had put you guys on hold for a second. Um, I was doing an episode uh, two years ago in for you all, and I, the house, the neighbors just was a different neighbor, and I came out to the car and I recorded it, and she, my the neighbor upstairs came down to throw out some trash, and then she wanted to look in in because I'm sitting in the car. So one of the things that hap- that's happening that I can't, it just is, it feels very irrational to say this is, there's something that's happening that's incredibly irrational. So then I'm, I'm thinking I must be wrong. This cannot be happening where it feels like the person above me is going from room to room. So I go to a room because you don't have a lot of privacy. We can hear each other. So I move to a different room to have some privacy and it seems like they move to that room. I hear the sounds, right? So when the first neighbor was doing it, I'm like, they're they're crazy. <laughs> but now I got a new neighbor, and we don't have the best relationship. Cause she, I have to tell you about that. She just talked about how she didn't want to have any social connection, and that's her prerogative. But I'm talking about it, it just felt very uncivil to live in a house with somebody, and you don't want to have a connection. So that's fine. You don't have a connection. But then, so I'm, I, I can hear her moving about. But anyway, I left out of the house, came to the car, and guess what? She just came outside to throw away some um, trash. That's a coincidence, right? But, you know, N.I. Downs, we were patterned people. So that's an interesting thing. <laughs> so anyway, um, so anyway, that was, that was a little random note. <laughs> this is my world. So anyway, so I was working back to the conversation. <laughs> um, I was working on this emotional wellness um, because of the relationship ending and realizing that the work that I needed to do around my emotions needed to, it was bigger than that relationship. And that's when I started coming to terms with this intergenerational trauma stuff. Okay, fine. 
I also had to, my grandmother died at the same time. So had my grandmother still been living, I would probably still be living under her safety. Because I'm, I can do that. I don't have kids. I can be on a couch. I can be in a room, right? So with her passing and then I was a homeowner before my, my relationship, my second 10 year relationship. In that relationship, I lost everything. I lost my business. I lost my house. I lost myself. All right. So even though I wasn't fully, I wasn't self-actualized actualized before I went into the relationship. Some of those, not some of those things, but all of those esteem things that I had established for myself. Oh, this is so interesting. Oh my God, I'm making a connection. All of the esteem things that I did, because I, I don't have the, I don't have it in front of me, the computer in front of me anymore. But what's that level? What was that? Number four? Number four, it was esteem, that esteem level, those accomplishments of respect. I had that, but I had bypassed the love and belonging piece. So now I'm trying to do in this relationship, I'm trying to do love and belonging, but it was taking, it was first of all, the wrong kind of love and belonging. So it was taking all of my energy. And so it took the energy away from me to maintain the esteem stuff. So all of the esteem things, most of them, not all of the esteem things I had established, I lost them. Because guess what I was doing with my energy? I wasn't working on the esteem thing anymore. I was working on the love and the belonging thing. And then not only did I lose it, I lost everything. Right? So now I've been working on the emotional wellness, right? And working on my structural piece. But I'm not the esteem part of me. I had to go and work on, like, how do you live in a house? You have, and how do you have stable income? How do you have savings? How do you have a decent credit score? Forget investments, right? But some very basic conditions, I had to rebuild that. I had to relearn it. You guys, and I did a lot of that on this podcast. So if you're going through a similar situation, I, I kind of, I, I, I was working it out. <laughs> I had to, I had to, I used this project to work it out. So just go back and listen to the last couple of years. But I was saying the last, I was saying the last year, year and a half, I started getting secure, right? Okay. Then it hit me. You got this security thing down now. So you got the emotional wellness. I'm not going to say I'm perfect with the emotional wellness because I'm still, I'm still entangled in that intergenerational trauma stuff. So I wanted to, I had a, I wanted to talk more about this, um, this thing that's happening with my sister is partially because of this, entanglement with our person and this intergenerational intergenerational trauma and I believe it's having an impact on my relationship with my sister and and I have to make some really tough decisions about that and I have to also confront the fact that I keep making these tough decisions and then I fall back right I make some hard decisions some hard boundaries and then I lose it and so I'm in this in unhealthy loop thing with the family and I just don't even I can't even process that I can't die I I don't know but I know that that's a point of learning for me I know that my wellness my prosperity is not going to happen until I master that until I get that those trauma relationships under control and I'm getting better I'm better but I am I'm going to be honest with you I am not where I want to be okay all right so the emotion I I would say (laughs) I got emotional wellness down at 3.0 so i'm not doing it i'm not doing emotional wellness 1.0 no anymore i'm not doing emotional wellness 2.0 anymore i'm wrestling with emotional wellness 3.0 
right? So I'm proud of the work I've done. I'm proud of the progress that I've done, but I'm not done yet. Okay, so that's one. Then you have this this structural space, like living. Like I, I don't want to be renting. I'm a homeowner. I'm not, but I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I gotta, I'm not owning a house right now. I'm renting and then I'm dealing with neighbors, right? So I, this is not my landing place. This is, there's a, there's a country song by Carrie Underwood where she says, um, this is my temporary home. It's not where I belong. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> Even though I'm not singing it right. It's, <laughs> I can't believe I just broke out into a song. I'm going to be so embarrassed when I, when I go back and listen to that part. But anyway, um, it's a beautiful song. And so this is, she said, windows and rooms that I'm passing through. Um, this ain't where I belong, right? But I have to pass through here. Okay. So about a year and a half ago, I'm like, this, well, I'm, once I finally got that security piece done, I'm like, but you, I, the, the esteem part of me is now knocking on the door. That's what it is. So we got some, we got the basics down. We got, I had to go back and re-secure those bottom two levels. I had to re-secure those. And that third level of love and belonging is still a struggle. And this is something I would love to hear from somebody in the solo community. Because what is, and this is what I worry about me trying to really, really do the damn thing called solo because I think that just because you're romantically solo, I still need to learn how to do love and belonging with other groups. And I think that the culturally, so what happens is that I'm interacting with a, I'm in a white world. I mean, I'm, I'm just surrounded by whiteness and I'm a person that loves diversity. So I don't have a problem with being around white people. I actually like it. But it's a problem when my world is grossly white or almost exclusively white. Okay, so then why is that? So then I try to go and make these cultural connections. And I realize because of my socialization in white spaces, I don't know if that's completely true. I don't know if it's because I was socializing because I wasn't completely socialized in white spaces. But all of my education has been in not just white spaces. I've not been in, like I said, I went to these Catholic schools, right? So there's a lot of my val- my values, my virtues that come from Catholic, just the Catholic traditions. Well, there are black Catholics, but most of the black Catholics that I know are middle class. Well, I don't come from a middle class background. I'm like this weird anomaly. I come from a lower socioeconomic background. Right. So I have this real cultural conflict that I'm dealing with when I'm trying to find community with people that I can love and belong. So I'm but I think that that's the three. That's part of the three point oh four point oh part of me that I'm working on. All right. But I got to work on it. And I'm an introvert and I'm an INTJ. So working on that, that people part and I'm an eight. I'm an antisocial. Right. So I got all of these things working against me. Like, how the hell am I going to hit that third level in Abraham Maslow's theory of self-actualization. That love and belonging is a beast for me, right? And I'm going to start closing. So that's something I have to work on. But I couldn't even begin to think about working on that when my structure was off. My physiological and my safety structures were off. And this is what I'm excited about, the ground zero. This is it. I have the right structure in place for all 
five of those levels. And I'm talking about self-actualizing. So forget that. Forget the fifth level as self-actualizing. Let's talk about the other four. And I'm curious about those four levels. What is it? Physiological, safety, love and belonging, and esteem. Well, no, because that fifth one is creativity, right? Yep, so I got to go back to that. I have a structure in place for me to attend to all five of those areas. Got some work to do, right? I can't master. There, it's not mastered. I can't check it off like it's done, right? But now I have something manageable. Like, how do I do that as a person that's traveling and doing this alone? Because otherwise, what was happening for me is I would work on one of those domains and I would get stuck in there. Is if I don't have a structure to work on all four of those domains. You guys, I hope you're following me. I'm bouncing between two th- systems. The, the system, the theory that I'm building, the four quadrants, the four domains, and the, the theory of self-actualization from Maslow. So I'm, I'm pinging back and forth, and I hope you're following. It's, I hope you're able to follow it, rather. Without the right structure, I was falling into the trap of doing one, two at best. I, in order to work on all four of those domains, I needed a structure. And I started putting that, I started revisiting that structure in January. But on, but I just, all I had was the four, four domains. And there's so much that has to happen in those four domains. And then on Monday, I created the five by five. Now you're probably like, you're in IDOM. There are a lot of systems here. That's me. I'm an INTJ. This is what it is. Welcome to my world. And if I if I had the time to break that system down, you would either want to give me a high five or perform an exorcism because I'm not sure. Like it's so rich and detailed. It's beautiful, but it's almost it's almost it's almost insane. And I don't mean to sound like I'm not trying to beat up on myself, but it's 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 borderline it's borderline ridiculous, but it's beautiful. And I feel like it's necessary in order for me to do all four of those areas. I have to have it. And so I'm so excited by that structure of, so I call it a five by five on Monday. It was four by four. So that meant each of the four domains, I have four priorities. So I'm back to have 16, right? That's a lot to remember. And then I was like, Ooh, it's not covering it. So it's now in each domain, it's five. There are five subdomains. It's a lot. It's a lot, y'all. So I have a sheet that I'm working on. I have a daily activity that I have to commit to those domains. I have a system where I can give myself credit. And I have a system where I can give myself a break and some breathing room because I can't do all of that every day at the same time. But I got a system where it all works together for me to thrive and to be prosperous for me to be prosperous in all four domains and what at the end of that song said the house will not fall when the bones are good when the structure is good and i finally have the oh i'm gonna cry y'all Ooh, this feels so good this feels so good y'all don't know how how i needed this structure I have the structure for greatness. 
my five by five structure. I don't know if I'm no, it's not really five by five because it, in order to be five by five, it would need to be five domains, five subdomains, but it's not four by four anymore. But anyway, it's so it's four by five. <laughs> How about that? That's what it is. That is my structure for greatness. That is my ground zero because up until to, up until this past week, I have been trying to get situated out of the hole that I was in. And the interesting thing, and I, I'm, I am really closing here because I have to, I'm running out of time. The interesting thing about it is that while I was coming out of the hole, I was out of the hole. I've been out of the structural hole for about a year and a half, two years where structure is good. Y'all don't even know. I'm able to go and open up my mail now. I was not able to open up my mail. I was so overwhelmed with debt. And all of, I was just so much. I was hiding from it. I picked up the phone and called the student loan people. And I owe so much in student loans, y'all. It's just, I got a mortgage behind my name. That's how much I owe in student loans. That was overwhelming for me. I don't like it, but it is what it is. I've, I had to obtain, I had to finance three degrees. That's what I had to do and finance my living. I didn't have the luxury. I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the privileges. So, yes, I did have to finance those loans. Okay. And I got to work on paying them back. And when you get into, uh, when those, when you get behind in those loans, they become overwhelming and affect your credit score. So, you guys have been hearing me talking about it. I've been working on it. And now we're at a place. Then, and I promise you, I'm closing right here. This is the bot. This is it. This is it. I'm now getting ready to go back to my creative esteem self. I'm going to cry, y'all. I'm now finally at a place where I can go back and start working on some of those, the esteem part of me, the creative part of me, where I was working on that before. I couldn't work on it now because I didn't have a safety net because my granny was gone. So I had to provide my own safety. And now I'm going back to work on those esteem projects. I'm I'm working on the love and belonging. But I can do that now because my structure is right. I have, I'm at, my ground zero is my, the bones are good. I couldn't name this episode. The bones are good. And that, and, and she says it in the song. The wind can come. The storm can come. We can have problems, but we're not going to fall apart because the structure is there. And my ground zero is the structure. My five by four. The bones are good, y'all. Oh, my gosh. You guys, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If my moving about in this incredibly windy way of emotion, and, and I know that I dropped the ball and I didn't really link the emotional, um, I didn't, I didn't link the emotional component as well as I need to. And I'll come back and try to clean up on that. But I think the emotional piece is what threw me off, right? I bypassed the emotional. Then when I went to try to deal with it, I didn't really deal with the real emotional root. So then the, the, the emotional thing that I went after threw me, it destabilized me and I lost everything. 
I lost everything. And now that I've rebuilt, I'm at the danger of just being structurally secure. But there's a higher part of me. There's a higher spiritual part of me. There's a creative side of me. And there's a loving part of me that is not going to be okay with just being structured. So I had to have the five by four, the structure. So all the, if any of that conversation connects to a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share with those participants. If my moving about has caused some randomness in you, I'm struggling with my words sorry if my moving about has caused some randomness in you i'd love to hear that i really really would because it's random for you but for me my ni dom self is like okay that connects anyway so you can find me on my website at your nidom.wordpress.com twitter your nidom1 facebook and youtube your nidom i got some youtube videos i owe you all but come and show me some love my last youtube video only had three views so it becomes less motivating for me to upload those videos. And I know I had somebody who was like, he needed the YouTube videos because he can't access the podcast. So please find your way to YouTube. You're in I dumb to show me some love. All right, let me give you your assignment. One second. I still want to ask you, what is your ground zero? What is the structure that you have in place so that you do all of that that you are meant to do? as a spirit being that you are meant to thrive in the world and be all that you are able to be and whatever that means for you in your world what is the structure that you have for greatness not just surviving not just for safety for physiological wellness but for greatness what is your structure for self-actualizing And I mean a structure that you can hold yourself accountable to. What is that structure? So that's one question. But then the the other question that's kind of peeping through is, where are you at with self-actualizing? Do you have all, do you have, what do you got on those other four levels before you get to self-actualizing? Do an honest assessment. Before you talk about the structure, really make an honest assessment. Where are you at with those, with the physiological, the safety, the love and belonging, the esteem? Many of you might be trying to do what I did, bypass all of that, go into the creativity and all of the other stuff is just broken up, tore up. Where are you? Then put a structure in place, lock it in and practice that thing and master that thing, you guys. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.